15 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories and helping us to take a look at these. I'm joined by Mdungwa Pride Kumalo, who's joining us from Vestact Asset Management. Bulaz, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Gunjan Buff. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, 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 good. Bulaz, let's start off here. I guess a momentous a milestone for African Bank, uh, certainly coming from the brink of the jaws of death uh, and uh, yeah, turning a profit from uh, uh, over 150 million rand in a loss in the previous year. What accounted for this? Uh, look, we can say, uh, you know, the bad news is over for the, this really marks, you know, uh, a turning you know, point. The, the, the end basically of COVID and the stresses that were brought about by the, mm. you know, the pandemic itself. To be fair, though, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be fair, Mbulaz, I mean, these, these are Basani's numbers. Um, yes, Kennedy Bungane, I guess, because of when the results were released. Correct. Um, you know, effectively was the one who delivered some of the good news. But um, I think a lot of people might say, if you think about the quality of the loan book of this bank uh, and even its transactional uh, deposit offering, that a lot of that has, you know, the doing of Basani Malulek. Look, and there's a lead lag uh, situation happening here because we all know that accounting is in the history. Mm. And we're talking about these numbers that happened, you know, like yes. you're saying, 12 months ago. So, well, you know, in the past 12 months. So it's, you, you're quite, you know, right when it comes to that. You're 100% these are Basani's numbers. Mm, mm. And, 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 and let's maybe just talk briefly, I mean, about some of the uh, uh, issues aside from the, uh, you know, uh, loan book. I mean, some of that uh, non-interest revenue that came through, profits on insurance up. Um, so I guess, you know, a strong showing there for this bank that uh, has diversified from uh, just the sole lender that it was uh, before it got into some trouble a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about insurance, which rose about 71% to $251 million. Uh, very solid for this business. I mean, um the deposits book also increasing by 126% to mm. 8.6 billion rand. That's, those are triple digit numbers. Rightfully so, you know, coming off a very low base. But still, I mean, the fact that retail um, savers are comfortable in putting their money with this business, uh, you know, is, is a vote of confidence because people are voting with their pockets, mm. Uh, mm. which is very good. It might have to do with those big billboards. Um, and I guess <laughs> this whole idea that you can get the best interest rates in a low interest rate environment for some of your deposits. Of course, this is a way of getting the people to the door, right? We, we're currently in a low-interest environment. Uh, you'll notice deposits from the bank. Basically, you'll make 4% at best mm. if you're really lucky. And with fixed deposits, you get around 7%. So, and with bonds, it's between 8.7%, you know, 9%. Anything above that is definitely a bonus. Mm. And that's what they're offering you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess that certainly has done... Uh, quite a great deal to diversify where the funding is coming from for this particular bank. Yes, uh, it, it's very important to have, um, you know, not just one source of, uh, you know, investment, well, investors, sorry, for example, the PIC. Uh, here we know that they issued bonds uh, that, you know, were well taken or subscribed for, um, you know, which is very good for this business. And it gives confidence, you know, to the likes of the regulators, including you know, the Reserve Bank, um, which is very good for this business. Again, the Reserve Bank still remains, uh, you know, the biggest shareholder. They're holding half of the equity in that business. Mm, mm. 
Bulazi, I want us to take a brief break, uh, take a quick spot break now. But when we come back, uh, we take a look at uh, yeah, the, that new owner of uh, Power Fashion and Yuppie Chef, Mr. Price. And uh, <laughs> we'll also uh, try and make sense of uh, some of the numbers that have come through from the Lewis Group, where it seems cash sales, um, I guess, are quickly nearing on what um, had historically, I guess, you know, for the last few years or so, been known really as a business that uh, sells loans with furniture as the business. Uh, we're going to take a brief break, Mbulazi, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue. Nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories and uh, helping me to take a look at some of these stories is Bright Kumalo, who's an analyst at Vestact Asset Management. Mbulazi, uh, before we went to the break, we had a chance to take a look uh, at, I guess, uh, African Bank turning the corner uh, into profitability and for all intents and purposes, uh, one might argue, uh, out of the woods when it comes to COVID-19, but also out of the woods from uh, the history that they had. I mean, uh, being saved by the Reserve Bank and um, you know all manner of other issues carving up the good bank and you know doing away with the bad uh, let's take a look now at mr price um it seems they've won i mean this, this has probably been i guess uh, you know a year a red letter year if if there's such a thing i mean you two major acquisitions uh, strong growth of their online channel uh, and in addition to that, you know, you're also seeing an entity here that it's, is expanding its footprint, um, that is re- relatively cash flush, um, and I guess, uh, yeah, going on some good times. Mr. Price has been a, a very solid business. I mean, uh, you know, it exceeded consensus of, you know, beat earnings by, you know, a mile. Uh, you know, we're talking about gross margins of 63%. Sorry, we're talking about gross margins that are improving, and obviously 63% dividend ratio is back. Mm. Um, you know, in, in the books, and they're sitting with, you know, 4.9 billion rands in cash, zero debt, and without, you know, your power fashions and, you know, Yappy Chef, like you were saying, sales are up 16.7%. Uh, this is a very strong bounce back, uh, you know, in the middle class and the people that actually shop at Mr. Price. And, and and when you think about, I mean, just the the two acquisitions, uh, you know, I was saying, I think, to, to one of our guests, of, you know, about a month or so ago, that strategically, I mean, one would think that this is an entity that's trying to hit every segment of the income distribution. Because if you think about who shops on Yappy Chef, it's probably not the same person who's shopping at Power Fashion. Um, and, you know, with that acquisition of Power Fashion, really the idea is to, one, hit the bottom end of, of the marketplace and compete uh, with some of the discount retailers. And then with the Yappy Chef, uh, maybe get the more affluent and well-to-do consumer um, through the online channel. Yeah, I mean, this is a great strategy as a business. You diversify your risk throughout the LSMs. Uh, it, it's never bad. But really, you'll probably find that, you know, the biggest profitability will come from, you know, somewhere in the middle, right? Mm. In, in the sweet center. So, um I really think those two acquisitions of Power Fashions and uh, Yappy Chef, especially the Yappy Chef side of things, you know, they're very strategic and they're definitely going to be value accretive. Um, by saying this, I mean, I'm not just saying it as a, an economist, it just mm. sounds good. This is a management with no debt. This is a management we trust with our monies because they've shown historically that they're good at operating. Um, and, you know, they have our confidence uh, you know, in that front that, you know, they'll run these two businesses the same way they've done in the past with their current business. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I guess only time will tell. I mean, 
uh, whether or not um, the different segments that uh, they're going to be going into now are the same as the middle market that they've certainly dominated uh, over the last while. But if you look at some of those you know, retail uh, data that come out uh, showing that 150 basis point market share gain in a COVID environment where people are being retrenched, where demand conditions uh, you know, are, are muted to say the least, uh, is no mean feat. Yeah, I mean it's 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 incredible. I, I literally don't have anything more to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have something to say about Lewis. Yes, uh, I find this company quite interesting, um, and just I guess um, of how the impact of COVID has effectively um, one made credit more difficult to come by from this entity that sells room dividers, wall units, and everything else. Um, and I guess the shift. I mean in. in the year 2020, 43% of their money came from, came from cash sales. Nearly half of that now is coming through from cash sales as opposed, of course, to installment sales. Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, we're talking about revenues uh, increase of 4.2% to 6.7 billion rand. Um, you know, margins... Of- I mean, we know Mbula's a big money spinner for an entity like this is interest income uh, and insurance income. And, and with where interest rates are, they certainly probably haven't been coining it as much as they would have. Um, and that's another sort of downside from their normal uh, uh, you know, revenue uh, top line and even profit spinners. And, and yet, even in that context, we're still able to pay out that bumper dividend. I mean, yo. But that, that's the big part, right? What you're referring to is something that's highly regulated where you know, the regulators have changed so many of the rules for these guys to play right, but these guys still made money with, you know, with standing all of that happening and the pandemic, you know, to basically focus more on cash sales rather than credit sales. You know, kudos to this management. Mm, mm. And, uh, yeah, then what do you make of uh, life healthcare and uh, that um, interim dividend there not coming through? Yeah, I mean, we've seen, um, you know, the, the the healthcare providers here in South Africa, the private ones. Uh, it started with, I think, uh, Netcare uh, on Monday and on Tuesday we saw Mediclinic, or was it yesterday, sorry. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's been very hard to operate in this environment because especially last year when, you know, the coronavirus was very novel, especially in the first three to four months, mm. they were basically ordered to... Um, not do any elective surgery because the government was expecting a big surge in COVID numbers, which didn't happen. So it meant about four months, five months of, you know, fixed costs that are always there, you know, variable costs and all of those type of things that they had to incur, but with zero revenues, which Mm. has been terrible for them uh, with a couple of, you know, COVID patients here and there. But now they're seeing, you know, this starting to turn where, you know, the first wave and the second wave happen and the third wave is on its way. Uh, we've seen, a, you know, peak recoveries in some of these businesses, uh, you know, when we compare the numbers from now and this time last year. But some of them haven't recovered as much. And, you know, <laughs> Life Healthcare is one of those businesses. Mm. Netcare was one of the ones that benefited massively from the bounce. But again, uh, there's a lot they, that they don't, they don't control themselves. And I guess this is why, uh, you know, you're seeing revenues increase by 4% here. Uh, headline earnings per share down 12%. You know, very pedestrian numbers. You know, given, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we're talking about, you know, the, the, the hospital bed numbers uh, are looking rather good. But because, you know, where they really make the bottom line, which is, uh, you know, the elective surgery side of things mm. is not coming through. So, 
we're not seeing these businesses, you know, as buoyant as they're supposed to be. Let's talk about that. I mean, th- these elective surgeries um, and the premiums that these guys would potentially get from those. Um, because, uh, I mean, many of us as people of, in the public would think, uh, because the hospitals have been so busy and now with the vaccination drive, that just by the nature of the volumes of people moving in and out of hospitals, that they'd be making money. But uh, clearly that's not the case. No, that's not the case. I mean, <laughs> there's many ways that these hospitals make um you know, their revenues, right, or their profits. So, I mean, there's your daily checkups, you know, the, you know, the, the, the bad days, um, you know, and, and the collaboration, obviously, with, you know, um, the likes of discoveries, med scheme, et cetera. So, but these elective surgeries, you know, they've got very high margin uh, because of the instruments that they use, obviously, which is bespoke, and obviously um, things like rhinoplasty cost more, because the insurance is not keen on actually, uh, you know, covering that if it's not part of, you know, um, you know, let's say maybe you had a, an accident with your nose and you're trying to fix it. Sure. But if it's just elective and you're just going there to look nice, you have to pay out of your own pocket, which is where uh, these guys make a lot of money, where they can charge like ridiculous rates. Mm. But what about the United the market in the United Kingdom is different because we do know I mean the the showing highly highly regulated medical group um, they performed quite well in that market I mean revenue growth of twenty seven point two percent normal normalized earnings out at you know forty eight point eight percent growth I mean seemingly blowing the lights out in the United Kingdom market yet we dealing with the same pandemic look these numbers actually confuse me I didn't actually understand them quite correctly because if I compare them to medical clinics you know, decision uh, to get rid of the Aspire position mm. uh, in the UK sure. because of the same regulations or over-regulation uh, when it comes to the healthcare sector. The market rewarded them very well by the shepherds, you know, spiking uh, or surging rather, uh, you, know, uh, you know, deeply in the green yesterday. Whereas here, uh, you know, we're seeing the earnings are coming strong, which is something we haven't seen in many clinics. So I guess, you know, it's lack of a draw here, mm. depending on where you operate. What implications, I guess, will the vaccination program have for them? I mean, aside from the fact of of making the severity of, you know, some of the illnesses around COVID-19 probably a lot less and therefore, you know, the the need to free up more space probably not becoming as urgent. uh, uh, What other benefits are they likely to get? I mean, it's quite clear the government has gone in to buy all of the vaccines um, and effectively the sort of healthcare funders and the hospital groups are, are just a distributional channel or conduit. Look, on that higher level, I mean, it means they go back to work quickly. Work meaning, you know, elective surgeries and the mm-hmm. likes, rather than, you know, being throttled by the pandemic and, you know, the beds being hogged by uh, pandemic patients. So this is would definitely be good news for them. And they would want to administer these vaccines, you know, as fast as they can so they could accelerate the time to get there to those elective surgeries. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, certainly going to be one uh, to follow quite closely in Bulazi. But um, when you look at an entity like this in in the context, and you mentioned MediClinic a few minutes ago, when you look at an entity like, um, you know, Life Healthcare Group, alongside the MediClinics of the world, you know, uh, and many others, uh, and you think about, one, this third wave, and and if we are to have successive waves thereafter, uh, what that is going to mean, one, for the historic drivers of profitability, but also what it's going to mean, I guess, from a distributional perspective about the future of dividends or any buybacks. Sure. I think I'm going to answer this with a bit of history, right? Sure. 
the healthcare sector in South Africa hasn't actually uh, been the best performing, you know, uh, sector in the JSC. I mean, you could you can zoom out all the way to 2010, where when I started, you know, coming to the markets and I was introduced to these businesses. Uh, they have performed terribly. They've underperformed the index. Um, and I, I thought, you know, naturally because of, you know, the high barriers to entry mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the high regulation uh, would mean higher margins, which has been the case, but it hasn't actually trickled down, uh, you know, to big dividends and, you know, value creation for shareholders. Where, where's the money going then? I mean, if, if, if it's not, you know, value creating for some of the shareholders who we often think are the ones who distribute and make decisions about value, where's the money going? So both these businesses, right, we're talking now uh, Mediclinic um, and Life Healthcare, they went and made those big uh, purchases in the UK, Mm. which have proven to be duds, which, again, didn't come down to the bottom line for the shareholders. In the Mediclinic case, it's been a value destroyer big time, right? And, you know, in the Mediclinic side of things, you had the El Noor reverse listing when, you know... um, investment bankers basically saw them coming a mile away, that they were very desperate in acquiring this entity and reverse listing into that market in the United, in the UK. Sorry, um, it, it just hasn't worked out for these guys. Instead, have they done absolutely nothing and, you know, expanded probably locally or gave back some of that cash to shareholders, the share price will be totally different than what we're seeing now. Mm. What the market is telling you is that you know, these guys are terrible allocators of capital and stay away from this industry. And which has been true, unfortunately, since 2010, these guys have underperformed the index. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, all manner of things are always going to be attributed to this. Uh, COVID is a convenience, you know, uh, um, you know, scapegoat. Excuse, yes. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, you have the looming national health insurance that some people also might uh, potentially lament in this particular industry. But... I don't think it even has needed those two events, as you as you correctly say, for this particular sector, um, I guess, to be collapsing in a corner on its own. Yeah, I mean, if I'm giving them 10 years and I'm seeing no return on my investment uh, or just poor deployment of capital, you know, choosing at the worst time to go, you know, do those offshore deals, you know, to show desperation and hunger for you know, hard currency revenues, but not getting them because you're getting these businesses at worse prices, at worse exchange rates, uh, and actually not converting that into solid, you know, hard currency revenues and then converting that into profits just shows you that maybe they should just stick to, you know, what has worked here locally, get rid of those businesses, exactly how Mediclinic is cleaning up, and maybe things will tend to be quite well for them. I mean, I know this is not a good parallel to draw, but look at the Fushimi Group, which is basically stuck to its guns and Mr. Price by focusing on SA Inc. and being an SA Inc. You know, company. Those businesses in that very same period from 2010 to today, they've done exceptionally well. They've outperformed the market. They've paid a ton of dividends mm. and they've survived the pandemic without actually destroying any value. Bulaz, as always, my brother, a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, uh, thank you once again for your generosity in sharing your insights about the marketplace with us this evening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Abonga. That there was a bright uh, Kumalo, he's an analyst at Vestact Asset Management, uh, taking stock of the latest at African Bank, Mr. Price Group, Lewis Group, and the Life Healthcare Group.